for joining us this morning. And we can love and serve you in any way. Um, don't hesitate to ask. Today we're going to continue our study in uh, the book of Romans. So we've been going through the book of Romans. We started Romans the end of last year. And we're just walking through verse by verse. And um, a lot of times people have mentioned that, hey, I want to know the Bible better. Um, I want to learn the Bible. A lot of things in the Bible doesn't make sense. And so what we do is that we just walk into this book verse by verses. And uh, so a lot of things that might be said today, um, a lot of things might not make sense. That's fine. I'll be at the service. Come talk to me after service uh, this evening. We come out together. And if you want to come by, ask a lot of these what these things mean. I'm here for you in any way. Uh, but I'm going to try to just trust the spirit and trust the Lord as I walk through these verses and, and just see what the Lord is revealing about himself. And so how we can respond to that in our day-to-day -day walk. So if you have a Bible, join me in Romans chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 21. Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. It tells us in God's word. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man obedience, many were made, will be made righteous. Now the law came into the increase the trespasses. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to stop there. Let me pray for us. And let's join and let's just walk through this text together here this morning. I have not Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for again for another morning to be here in the house of the Lord. To be before you, Lord, and be before your people. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to go before us as we hear your word at this time. Let us preach your word, Lord, with fear and trembling, high reverence towards you. Lord, I am weak this morning. Lord, I need your help. I'm so nervous for all the faces that are here and the people are here, Lord, and I need your strength, Lord. Hands are, hands are sweaty and all these things are happening right now, Lord. So give me your spirit and let me preach your word faithfully. Give me the strength, Lord, right now, Lord, to preach your word, Lord. In a way, Lord, that honors you. Let us see Jesus this morning. Not Creston. Not amazing how Creston preaching is or anything else. But let everyone leave this place and say they met with God. And they saw their God this morning through his word. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. One thing guaranteed in this world we can never take away from the New England Patriots that they have six Super Bowls. The New England Patriots have six Super Bowls, right? Is there any other team that have six? No other team. I think the Steelers may have five and the Cowboys may have a couple. But the Patriots have six Super Bowls. It's guaranteed that they are the best football program in the world. Can everyone agree? Yes, she agreed. My sister right here agreed that the Patriots are the best 
football program, right? One thing we can't take away either, right? We can't take away is that who my parents are. That's guaranteed that these two people, Linda and Curly Thomas, are my parents, all right? Can't take away from many other things that are guaranteed here in this life. A lot of things are guaranteed that we are sure this is who we are. This is what Paul is getting at here in this Romans 5. He wants them to see that you are assured that you are in it. You are assured that you are in Christ. That nobody can take you away from Christ. This is guaranteed right now that you are in Christ and nobody can take it away. Have anybody won the, uh, the, um, the Saracene won the, uh, what you call it? What you call it, the casino? How you know that? <laughs> the lottery, right? You win the lottery, you get all this money, right? Can anyone take it away from someone? That's guaranteed, right? That you're going to get this amount of money. And so, y'all got quiet like y'all don't know what Saracene was. <laughs> I saw them pictures over at the cafe, the new restaurant. I saw a couple of y'all faces on the little advertising. But for the most part, though, is that in Christ, that as you believe in Christ, no one can take that away from you. No matter what they say about you, no matter what you've been through, that by being in Christ, you are assured to get Christ. That's what Paul gets at because a lot of times, family, when we go to work, when people, right, they provoke us, cousins and friends and spouses, all these things come in our lives, right? These things go on, right? And we feel like, like God, I've done everything right, but these people still treat me this way. This test is answering that. Romans 5 is answering that. It's telling you, though, no matter what you experience in this life, Christ has never left you. Because a lot of times when trials come, we start thinking indifferently about Christ. He said he's for me, but it seemed like worse things are happening. It seemed like I prayed last night, but it seemed like people are still after me. I have tried to trust the Lord, but it seemed like I can't come up. I even prayed about health issues, but they won't go away. But, but what is happening right now? And so have you, any of y'all felt that way before? And I think that Paul knew that we were going to feel that way. Paul knew that this Roman church, so the book of Romans was written to the Roman church. It was things that was going on in the church that Paul wanted them to be encouraged by. Paul wanted to encourage them is that I know that you believe in Jesus, but it seemed like you're forgetting what Jesus has done. So Paul in his letters reminded them that no matter what you go through, Jesus got your back. No matter what you go through, Jesus got your back. Don't base it on your feelings. Your feelings are going to change left and right. People are going to change left and right. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He would never change. He will always be faithful. How do you know this? Because Jesus died for us. That's crazy. How can Jesus die for us and he leave us alone, right? He didn't die for us just to leave us by ourselves. He died for us to keep us to himself. And this is what's happening in this text. He reminded the people that all the stuff that Jesus did is not in vain. He didn't just die for you like deism. I think, what was the, one of your, the presidents? Uh, I think it was Thomas Jefferson. He was a deist. He believed God created the world and left the world and not, no, we don't have any relationship with the world. That's different. The God of the Bible, he created the world and he's still working within the world. 
And that's why we can still see people are being healed today. We've seen people are getting jobs today. Our God is going before and working our special thing before us every single day. And so our text here this morning is reminding us of that. So we're going to do it in three points this morning. It's going to be short. Shantae blinked at me again this morning. So it's going to be short. Adam led to condemnation, but Jesus leads to justification. Adam disobedience made sinners, but Jesus' obedience made many righteous. Sin reigned in death, but grace reigned through righteousness. So we're going to see these comparisons. Adam is over here, and Jesus is over here. He's comparing that Adam brought condemnation, but Jesus brought justification. So you'll see this comparing. And why he's comparing is that he's spitting bars. He's saying is that compare Adam and Peter can follow the word to Jesus. Jesus is so much better than these things. So why would he leave you? So stick with me. What's the car? Uh, you have these, these chargers, right? You got the basic model of a charger. You go to the car and you want to buy the cheaper charger. What kind of charger is that? A basic charger. A what? A basic charger with a, like a, what kind of engine in it? A V6. A V6. But okay, now you go there and you want to buy the, the scat pack. Is it scat pack? The scat pack, okay? You got a scat pack and you got a V6. Is it a comparison? Why? Because the engine in the scat pack is way better. So you had you had the choice. And they can best around and say you can pick any charger you want. Would you pick the V6 or you pick the scat pack? You pick the scat pack. Because what it has in the engine, it is so much better. But in this life, we choose the V6. We choose the things that's not better than Jesus. It might look better. Because you look at that V6, you might have the right color on it. It might even look good. It might even have a little customized leather in it. It might look so good, and we choose that. And we know the scat pack has in its engine in it, but we say, we like this right here, and we choose this. I think we do this in this world. The things in this world is just so temporary. Things might look so good, but it's on a temporary happiness. But the things in Christ, it's forevermore. So let's walk through this together and see this difference, what Paul is drawing out. So look at the first one here in verse 18. Adam led to condemnation, but Jesus leads to justification. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification for all men. So it says right here, one trespass. Led to condemnation. Condemnation is defined as penalty or damnation. It's the opposite of justification. This person stands before the judge as guilty. The person to condemn. The judge said that this person is guilty. The verdict has already came out. The evidence has already showed itself that this person is condemned. So through Adam, condemnation came. How what evidence we have through Adam? God gave Adam a command in the garden not to eat upon the tree. Adam still saw the watermelon in the tree with a little salt and pepper on it. And he ate it. And Adam sinned against God. It was, I am convinced, it was no apple and peach, it was watermelon in the garden. It was the best fruit that's on this earth. And so Adam, um, Jekyll, I heard you. Um, Pastor hits to hear things, you know. But um, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. And the evidence was there. The evidence was there. 
God came into the garden like, what happened here? And God asked him a question. Did you eat upon this tree? And we find out they ate upon this tree and sin came. So the evidence show you that they sinned against God. And by them sinning against God, sin came into this world. I know some of y'all looking around like we ain't related. Yes, we are. Adam is related to all of us in this room. Adam is our great, 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 and you keep going, keep going, keep going. Adam is our great, great grandfather. When Adam sinned against God, sin came into this world. And when sin came, your lions, your animals, animals turned against each other. The earth turned against each other. We have earthquakes, right? You know, the health, our bodies start declining. Adam now started, now mankind started to die. So all of this came into the world through one man's sin, and it just pretty much spread through the whole world. So Adam, what Adam and Eve did, his evidence is there, and brought about death into this world. And some of y'all might be like, hey, I was not born when Adam was born. Why should we be blamed for what Adam did? How y'all felt that? Thought about that? Why should we be blamed for Adam what Adam did? Well, Adam is actually considered our federal representative. He's our federal head. And by being our federal representative is that whatever Adam does, he represents all of us. We were like, hold on, we didn't, have, we didn't put Adam up there. We could have used somebody else. But Adam represented all of us, being our federal head. Going across the world, you know, in the United States, the president represents the people in America. And so when the president goes to other countries, the other country knows us based upon our president. Well, in a very similar way, but Adam, he was our federal representative. God put Adam there to represent us. And when Adam sinned and didn't represent us well, we all are part of this. Think about a basketball team. When a pair missed a shot, do, that just, do, that, do just that player lose the game or the whole team lose? The whole team lose. In the same way, when Adam did that, it brought failure in the whole world. But God had a plan in this. God had a plan in this because you might think like, man, we shouldn't deserve hell. We shouldn't deserve these certain things what Adam done. But God had a better plan in this. What Adam was doing, I mean, God had a better plan in this, not Adam. The God was showing us, though, is that by Adam being guilty, let me all guilty, how can we boast? How can we boast now and say, God, look what I've done? Because all guilty now. Adam, God did this for us to boast into a better representative. Just how Adam was our representative, God said, no, y'all need a better representative. So God sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus now is our true federal head. Amen. For those that believe in Christ that's been born again, right? We're not now are born of Adam anymore. But for those believing Jesus now, we're born of a new federal head, which is Jesus. So now for those that believe in Jesus, Jesus represents us. And just like how I mentioned that has a president goes to another country and they see the president and actually represent the country, now when people see us in the world, they see now Jesus. He's our true representative, not Adam anymore. And so by doing this is that God has said now is that you can't boast in yourself, but now you can boast in Jesus. So Jesus is our true representative. So Jesus is so much better than Adam. But for those that don't believe in Jesus, they are still trusting Adam to represent them. 
For those that are not Christians in this room, for those that are not Christians in this world, they are saying that Adam is their representative. But for those that believe in Jesus, they know Adam not representing me. Jesus is representing me. And by Jesus representing us, it tells us in the text is that one act of righteousness leads to justification of all men. For those that Adam represent bring condemnation and penalty. For those who Jesus represent, it bring righteousness, not guilty. The scat pack. It's over here. It's Jesus. So who representing you this morning? Who representing you this morning? Is it Adam or Jesus? If it's Jesus representing you, are you living for him? A lot of times, you know, from, from a lot of times, people, I remember one time when, when Kobe played the Memphis Grizzlies, I went to the game. He scored like 63 points that game. And I'm over screaming, Cole, 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 which I think, which I don't think Kobe is the greatest basketball player that ever lived. I've seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. It wasn't in the Bible, but it was some beside the Bible I saw. But Kobe is the greatest ever to play. Kobe scored 63 points. I'm screaming his name, Kobe, Kobe. Even though I screamed his name, does that mean he know me? Do Kobe know me? He didn't know me. In the same way, we can be so many fans of Jesus and Jesus not know us. So are you a fan in a way of saying you know Jesus but don't have a relationship with him? But for those that say they know Jesus and Jesus knows them what he's done for them, they want to be like Jesus. They want to live for Jesus. And I'm not saying like we don't mess up, y'all. We all, you know, at times make the wrong decisions trusting in the flesh. We all going to do this all into the day of glory. Again, nobody in this room is perfect but Jesus, okay? But are we striving to be like Jesus? Are we fighting sin every day? For those that are doing that, those are the ones that see that Christ's righteousness is better than condemnation. And the second point we see here, we see Adam, Adam's disobedience made sinners, but Jesus' obedience made many righteous. Again, he makes, a, makes another comparison here. For it's by one man disobedience, the many were made sinners. So in point one, Paul used condemnation of Adam in justification of Christ to show the difference. Y'all see the difference here? Adam over here and Jesus over here. Now in point two, he does it again. Now Paul compared Adam's disobedience to Christ's obedience. The one man, Adam, I mean the one man, which is Adam's disobedience, Going back to Genesis 2 and 3. And also Genesis 3 through 7. Adam disobeyed and death came into the world. Death was not only physical death, but also a spiritual death. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they became enemies of God. Because you might ask the question like, man, how did they become enemies? You got to think about God is so perfect. He's the creator of the universe. He made everything right. And he didn't even have to come to this earth. He didn't have to create the earth. But Adam and Eve looked and said, I want to eat upon this tree so I can be as God. Being as God, as it's described in the text, even in the Hebrew, it's saying that not only want to be like God, they want to rule over God. Adam and Eve want to rule over God. They say, you created, hey, we can create. Y'all know somebody ain't used to nothing. Right, you give them a little something that they think they're better than everybody. 
You get them, you get them an inch and they take a mile. Y'all know something new? Y'all stop looking around the room. But for the most part, this is what happened to Adam and Eve. They wasn't used to anything, right? God gave them a garden. They had everything in righteousness in the garden. But for them, they still wanted something greater. They were to the rule over God. God gave them an inch to enjoy the garden. God even told Adam to what? To have dominion over the garden. To have dominion and rule over the garden. They took him to the head, okay? Are we ruling over the garden? Okay, now God, let me rule over you. Even our kids. You know, I let my, we never play around with the kids and things of that nature. And at times, sometimes the kids, you get them a little inch, and they go too far with things. And they say some things, you're like, no, that's not supposed to come out. In the same way, Adam and Eve, God gave them a place to be able to enjoy in the garden, to have dominion. They turned their back around, and now they said they want to have dominion over God. So what God, God going to feel about this then? Him being God is like, hold on. Y'all trying to rule over me. Now Adam and Eve became the ox, right? <laughs> they became the ox. Now they are the ones, now they're saying they want to rule over God. Now it's war. It's war. It's Adam and Eve in the world against God. And that's what happened here. Death came into this world. Now enemies came into the world. But Christ comes into this world. He's different from Adam and Eve. He's not the ox. Jesus not, he comes in to do everything the Father asked him to do. Jesus, even though he was equal with the Father, Jesus didn't come over and try to rule over the Father. Jesus came to submit to his Father. Is that in John, John 17, Sean? Okay. Jesus came and he submitted to do the Father's will. He came to glorify the Father. So Jesus said, comes to the world. He's different from everybody else. You might be saying, well, Adam and Eve was the family of all of us. When we gave into lying, we didn't trust the Lord. Gave into pornography, anger. When we give into all those things, it's saying, God, we're an enemy of you. So all of us in this room, at one point in time, we were an enemy to God. And exactly, even hotels, right? So, um, but we were enemies of God. But in God's uniqueness, Jesus was the one that became a friend of God. And just like I am and Alina, we are married together. All what I all what I have, everything that I have, um. Uh, some of the stuff, I, or, or is it all? <laughs> all that I have, right? It belongs to my wife, and it belongs to us, right? We have, we can it be most of it? But all that I have, it belongs to to me and my wife, right? What, whatever I buy, it belongs to her. Whatever she buys off Amazon every day, it belongs to me. And so, Amazon is the Antichrist. I'm for real. Y'all need to get rid of Amazon. And so, whatever we have, and so. By us being married to Jesus, by him being the groom, we've been the bride, the church. Everything Jesus has, we have. And so if Jesus is righteous, we are righteous. You might look like, oh, no, I just said something bad yesterday. I shouldn't have been smoking that gas yesterday. I shouldn't have been doing that yesterday. But for those that are truly in Christ, he doesn't see our sin anymore. 
That's good news, isn't it? He doesn't see our past anymore. We all got a past in this room. We were a mess. We all were. But he doesn't see that. Mankind tried to bring those things up. Ah, you, 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 you know, but Jesus said you are made right. Because I don't see you, I see the groom. I see your husband, which is Christ. And so by Christ being righteous, for those that are believing in him, we are righteous as well in Christ. He doesn't see these things anymore. For those that have been born again, it tells us in so many passages about being born again. The second birth. The second birth is better than the first birth. The first birth of our mothers, right, it was of Adam. But the second birth, for those that put their faith in Christ, is of Jesus. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God may a practice of sinning. For God sees abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. If we're born of God, we look more like God. Y'all know how them babies born? I don't have big eyes. You know how some of them babies born with big eyes? And they look at the parents and the parents got big eyes? Right? That's a mark of the family lineage, right? That's a mark of it. But for those that are truly in Christ, it's a mark. They will look more and more like Christ. Do you live like Jesus? Do we live like Jesus? Is our lives considered to be revolved around Jesus? When you get angry, how do you respond? Do you respond like Jesus? Now, Jesus had righteous anger when he flipped some tables over. Don't try to use that now. They say it's okay to be angry. Let me flip some tables over. But Jesus had a righteous anger. His anger wasn't based on, in the sense of jealousy and hate. His righteous anger was built upon his character and of the Father. So, fam, for those in Christ. Another verse is also is 1 John 5, 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. I can keep going on with 1 John. 1 John got all these things about, about, about being born. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 1 Peter 1, 3, blessed be the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Y'all get what I'm going with this? Y'all don't get it. Let me now say one more. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So for those that are in Jesus, that give righteousness, everything of Jesus, family, we look different. We look different from this world. Y'all want to change this block around Howard Drive and, you know, and, and other areas on the east side and all the other areas in Palm Bluff? If we want to change these communities... That's right, Noel. If we want to change these communities, we first need to be born again. We got to love those that hate us. And it's hard, ain't it? It's hard. I just got to say one more thing before I love them. Y'all feel that way? 
You got to say one more thing before you love. love. I'm going to love them, but let me say a couple more things. Let me swing at them a couple times, then I'll love them. That, that's not like of Jesus. We got to love them unconditionally. Because he can fight battles better than us. He's better than us in fighting battles. Last thing, let me, last point. I think Marty is starting to blink at me down too. Sin reigned in death. But grace reigned through righteousness. Now the law came in the, in to increase the trespasses. But where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So lastly here, we see in verse 20 and 21. Now Paul compared the law, and now he compares grace. Again, the law is good because it shows us our heart. If we didn't have a law, everybody think they're better than everybody. The law shows us that we don't have it all together. The law shows us the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments lets us see where we're standing before God. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, commit adultery, she cannot covet, don't put no law before him. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. If we broke any of those commandments, we're considered as unrighteous. So the law shows us in a sense of showing us our need of a Savior. So the law is good. The law is good. And that was the purpose of the law. The law could never save us. The law could never save us. The law to show you, show us that we need a Savior. Anybody in this room kept all the Ten Commandments? Raise your hand. Well, you just broke one right then. <laughs> so we all have broken the law. That's what the Ten Commandments are for. We can't be saved by that. And again, that's what, you know, if you know any friends that are Muslim, I have good Muslim friends. If you know any Muslims, one of the things they believe is you're doing more good than bad. If you do more good than bad, you can make it to heaven. Did some of y'all believe that? You, do, hey, I'm not that bad person. I do more good. You believe that? So if you think that you can do more good than bad, well, the standard is already is perfection. If you mess up one time, we already are disqualified. Isn't that working at a, a job interview, right? And something slip out that shouldn't be said. Or even at a job, you get a job and they give you the requirements to work the job. You cannot steal money out of the cash register. But if you steal money out of the cash register and they fire you, you say, well, that's not right. And they can say, well, we gave you the criteria of this job. And you broke the criteria, so you're fired. And so God gave us this criteria to keep these commandments, and all of us broke them, so we can't say right, because he's the one's the owner. He owns the job. He owns everything. So we can't tell the creator, well, I tell you what, well, this is not in the policy. You say, well, I gave you the policy beforehand, and you broke it. So the law shows that we broke the policy, that we're fired. But thank be to God, he gave us grace. Even though we was fired, it was somebody else that was hired, which was Jesus. And he was never fired from the job. He was never fired. He kept all the Ten Commandments. And by doing that, Jesus goes to the Father, which is the one that the general manager owned the business, and said, hey, Father, they with me. They coming to work. And so we can go back to work. We can go back to the Father because now we are with the Father. We are with Jesus. 
And for him, he has united us with himself. And we look back at it and say, oh, look at Jesus. But every other religion in the world is saying is that, well, no, I'm going to try to do it myself. I'm try to do it myself. You would never make it. You will never make it doing it yourself. I would say give up right now in a way of trying to do it yourself. Trust in someone who's already did it. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew. Come to me, Elijah, all thee are heavy, weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who won't rest in this room? You won't rest? Look to Jesus for rest. That's what our test has ended up. But let me end with a couple applications. When you get tempted by idols in this world, things in this world, when you get tempted to lash out of somebody, to make everything about you, remember Jesus is better. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. I'm sorry to say that. It's about Jesus. He is better than anything that comes in this world. Again, I love my spouse to death. I've got the best wife in the world. But I can't put my wife over Jesus. Jesus is better than any male relationship. Any monetary benefit. Jesus is better than all. For family. Trust Jesus. He's better. Second thing. When Jesus obeyed the Father, he showed us what it looked like to honor the Father. May we learn obedience like Jesus. Learn like Jesus. When we obey the things of Christ when it's hard, it's hard at times, y'all. It get hard at times. I'm just keeping it real, but you get hard. But family, we gotta trust Jesus with his heart. We gotta trust him. I saw the game yesterday with Patrick Mahomes and I thought Jacksonville had used to have a chance. Patrick Mahomes, he hurt his what, ankle? Yeah. In the midst of that, he had to learn how to persevere and fight through the pain and for them to get the victory. A lot of time, a lot of time we get up when things get hard. We give up when things get hard. Family, when things get hard, it shows us who we are. We need hard times. Because we all can talk a good game. But when things get hard, it shows our true colors. It shows you what you truly believe. It shows you your true heart. If you got that dog in you, they say in basketball. Or do you give up? When things get hard, family, it's just not God that's trying to judge you or condemn you for those in Christ. When things get hard, God is saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And God gives us unique situations. All of our trials in our lives are different, isn't it? Trina, what you're going through, I'm not going through. What I'm going through, you're not going through. But I can't say my things are harder than what you, and you can't, I can't, vice versa. But God gives all of us different trials to show you where we're at, to see that we need him. Trust him. Last application. When things get you down in life, don't turn to earthly things. Turn to what you have in Christ, which is Christ. No one can take you away from Christ. You probably ain't been to church in four years, three years. That's fine. You're here today. The Lord has brought you here today. The Lord knows who you are. He knows your heart, right? He knows truly who you are. Don't worry about what man may think of you. Trust the Lord today. Because you get heaven forevermore for those that truly believe.
for those that don't believe, I would say there's no other options out there besides Adam. Are still living in the life that Adam lived or come to nation, he's your representative. He's your representative. And also your own sins, right? You're representing your own sins. There's no hope for you. But for those that believe in Jesus, there's so much hope for you. There's so much hope for you. Trust him today. And I'll be around in the back. Y'all come chop it up with me. Any questions? You might ask yourself, I ain't been in church. Hey, I don't know where to start off. I don't know where to turn the Bible. If you feel embarrassed, please come talk to me. But let this be the day, the day of salvation. A day that you say, no, I'm going to I'm gonna learn the Bible. I'm going to learn what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to start by coming to church every Sunday. I'm not going to put anything before Jesus anymore. Come talk to me about that. Things are going to get hard. But here at Christ Redeemer, we are family. When things get hard, we live it out together. When we get fired from work, we're right there with bringing over food and hanging out with you. If you're going to go through it, we're going to go through it together. Come let us be a family to you. We ain't got it all together. But we're looking to Jesus, the one that does. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us.